In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Throughout the liturgical year that we celebrate, there are certain feasts that we come across that will have either an epistle reading or a gospel reading that tells us something about Christ or his relating to man or man relating to Christ that is so important or that our Lord sees as so important to our faith, the structure of our faith in practice, not just in intellect. It's so important to him that he would take that event and have it locked into either the divine liturgies or into the prayer services of the church eternally. So that his people, by voicing these events, might take into themselves the faith, the belief, the relationship with them that is presented there in the scriptures. We had a perfect example of this on Friday night when we celebrated the presentation of Christ in the temple, otherwise known as the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Blessed Saint Simeon, the great high priest, takes into his arms the 40-day-year-old Christ child. And it's revealed to him that he's holding in his arms the Word of God. That he's holding in his arms his own salvation. And the response of Saint Simeon, prompted by the Holy Spirit, was this great song of praise as he would lift up Christ to God and voice his praise in what we know as the song of Saint Simeon. We know it in our Vesper services as the Nuke Dimittis. But that event our Lord deemed so important for us to take into ourselves that He would have it placed in the Vesper services of not just the Western Rite, but both the Eastern and Western Rite services in His Holy Church. So that we might grow with the same song of praise in our hearts at the reception of Christ, who is our salvation. And today we have yet another event in our Gospel reading on this particular Sunday that would become locked into the liturgies of the church at a very pinnacle part of the service of the Mass. So we need to attend to it and see what is it that our Lord is doing as we cooperate by obediently following these instructions in the Mass. I want you to listen once more to a portion of our Gospel reading from the Gospel of St. Matthew. And I think you'll recognize what has been taken from this and been in the Mass. All the way back to the Mass of St. Gregory in the 300s. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, and I have soldiers under my authority. But Jesus responds to the centurion in a way that we need to pay attention to. Listen to his response. And it tells us a bit why it's so important that this would be in the Mass for us to grow in, in our faith. Jesus responds to the centurion saying, and to all those around him, I say to you that I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And he turned to the centurion and said, go, go your way as you have believed. So let it be done for you. Jesus himself looked at the response of the centurion saying, Lord, I'm not worthy 
that yet thou shouldest enter under my roof, but speak the word, and my servant will be healed. He looked at him, and he said to all there, proclaiming the truth, I've not seen such great faith in all of my people Israel. And it begs the question then, what is it about the centurion's faith in our Lord Jesus Christ that prompted our Lord to make such an incredible statement about the measure of the centurion's faith? Because it's for us. I want to give you two things today. Two things about the centurion's faith that we must grow into as Christ continues to give us that great gift of faith. The first is this. The centurion approached Christ knowing absolutely that Jesus had the complete authority to grant his request. You see, there was no doubt in the centurion's mind based on what had been revealed to him, what he'd heard about Christ, perhaps even seen Christ do in the area. But there was no doubt in the centurion's mind that if Jesus just spoke a word, a command, that his will would be done, period, end of story. His faith was based on the authority that he recognized in our Lord Jesus Christ to enact his will upon the earth. And why would this come from the centurion? It actually comes from the very basis of his own life. Think about a centurion. A centurion is a man under authority, and a Roman centurion is one who had 100 soldiers under his own authority. That's why they're called a centurion. And this centurion knows that if he gets a command, he will obey it and it will be done. The centurion also knows that if he issues a command to his 100 soldiers, he does not have to worry about it. What he asks to be done will be done absolutely. That's the way that the Roman militia worked. And what is he perceiving in Christ? That same power of authority. Speak the word Jesus. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to come to my house. Issue the command. And it will be done as you have commanded. That is part of the great faith of the centurion. We must have it as we grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we bring ourselves to him. When we bring our intercessions, our needs, our desires. When we bring it to him, we come to him as the centurion. Or we must grow to come to him as the centurion. That will look at him and say, I believe. You speak your will. You speak your word. And it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The second thing I want to share with you about the great faith of the centurion is this. The fathers speak greatly of this. That the centurion approached Christ in the beautiful virtue of humility. The beautiful virtue of humility. And I'll give you two aspects of this humility that we see here. In light of the revelation of Jesus Christ, what he perceived, what the centurion perceived, at least at that point in his life, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, he comes and he sees Christ for who he is and he also recognizes something about himself. Because what comes out of his mouth? Lord, I am not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And here the fathers say that we see the same humility that Christ spoke of when he spoke of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. 
And the tax collector, if you remember, he comes before God to pray at the temple. And it says that the tax collector, unlike the Pharisee, stood afar off. He wouldn't as much raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is the humility by the centurion saying, Lord, I am not worthy. My friends, I feel it's very important that we understand what we're saying when we say, Lord, I'm not worthy. When we make that statement rightly, humbly before God, we are not saying that in our person created by God, recreated by God in the waters of baptism, made a son and daughter of Christ. We're not saying we have no worth. How could we make a statement, I'm unworthy, believing that we have no worth in ourselves to the very God who became incarnate to come and rescue us? How much worth is in every human person, every human soul that our Lord has knit together in their mother's womb and breathed life into? It's not that we're saying in our human person, we have, there's no worth to God in us. Rubbish. There's so much worth. What are we saying when we say, Lord, I'm not worthy? We're saying the very words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah and chapter 6. When we're told that Isaiah has this glimpse of the perfection of the holy temple eternal. And in it, he even sees just the train of the robe of God filling the temple. He sees the cherubim singing their worshipful songs. What does he sing? Absolute perfection and glory. But what is his response before that perfection? Humility. And what is humility? I see myself clearly. Now that I have beheld the perfection of God, now that I have beheld the righteousness and the holiness of my God, what I see is that I'm not that. I see that I do not measure up to what God has offered me. I have fallen short. Therefore, what I see is worthy. What I am is not yet. When the centurion says, I am not worthy, he's showing the humility before the perfection of Jesus Christ, that I'm one in need. And I need the one that is before me. Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. There's a second aspect of humility that the fathers speak about regarding the centurion, actually both the centurion and the leper that you heard read in the gospel reading today. And that is this, when the centurion approaches Christ, he has the humility not to presume that he knows the will of God. He has the humility not to presume that he knows the will of God. He's like the leper that I mentioned just a second ago. Remember when the leper came up to Jesus? What did he say in his desire to be made whole? He approaches Christ and hear the words out of his mouth. If it be thy will, I know you can make me whole. The humility of approaching Christ. My friends, we have the tendency sometimes, and it's very human and understandable, but let's recognize it for what it is. We have the tendency in prayer and intercession sometimes to unload, which again, there's nothing wrong with God can correct anything we bring to the table. But some of the requests that we make, they may indeed not be his will. They may be ours. They may come from our great, wonderful desires and a great heart. Even. But the church teaches us that every time we bring those things to Christ, 
we must end those prayers with the very words of the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane, but not my will. Lord, I ask for this. I offer this. I would like to do this. And yet not my will. Not my will. But thy will be done. Isn't that how Jesus taught his disciples to pray? When you pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the centurion had the faith to believe that with one command, Christ could do anything. And we must have that faith. But he also had the humility to come before him, knowing that he's not perfect and in need of the one that he's approaching. And approach him and lay himself before him, trusting in the will. And so now let's look at our Mass with all of this in mind. This is the faith that our Lord is showing us both in the Holy Gospel, but also in the Mass that he wants to gift us to grow into. And so let's turn to our Mass. And we know what we're looking at today. We do it in Mass, every Mass. And it's at such a critical point, and I want to show you this. It's at the point where the priest turns from the holy altar with the consecrated chalice and host, the wine that has been made by Christ, the blood of Christ, and the bread that has been made the body for our life everlasting and a cleansing of our sins. And the priest turns and he presents our Lord to us. And what are the words out of the priest's mouth? Behold, the Lamb of God. In other words, the Lamb of God is present. The Lamb of God is most certainly here before you, before me. And what is the response of the Christian? It's the response of the centurion. It's the faith of the centurion who beholds God in Christ. And says, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only and my soul shall be healed. I pray that every time we do this from now on. That every mass you will remember that our Lord is wanting to gift you with faith. Even in that moment. That you might grow in the faith believing that by the command he can heal your soul. And also approaching him in humility. That he might take the unworthy. The fact that you are not perfect, holy, and righteous. And by grace through that very sacrament in your own lives. Bring you to such a state. Being made whole. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.